believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Because my children are coming. Never say never to always. I'll never say always to none. To seem is to dream a dream, my love. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people when I would have felt better. And when I felt like I really offered society something. You know, if I wanted to kill somebody, I'd take this book and beat you to death with it, and I wouldn't feel a thing. It'd be just like walking to the drugstore. It's time to call time from behind you. If you know this man has been just a dream. Valley of death and I if you could pick all the words of the vocabulary that your mother told you, who do you think I am? This is only a couple hours. Can you imagine what it would be like a couple days with me? I live 100 years a day. You feel brave. You can see, you can see, you can see. If you not get mad. It'll be a cold day in hell before I wear a fucking necktie. Well, I mean, just to, just for sake of, can, is it picking me up? Try it again. Is it picking me up? Yeah, I see you. You're there. Awesome. You're a person. I'm also, I'm also eating the mic, so I mean, there is that. All right. Well, this first episode is off to a great start. I know. My, my ish together. I am an adult. I know how to do adult things. Uh-huh. I know. I keep telling myself those lies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, like, a tantruming, like, three-year-old, like, 30% of the time. The other time, I'm a pouty teenager. <laughs> and then I pretend to be an adult. All right, so this is going to be our first actual episode of Charlie Manson's Fanny Pack. Um, I'm Rich. I'm Jessica. And um, well, we were going to there's we were going to do this original plan of Jessica was going to like research the lives of the victims, and you know, and be their voice. But I guess they're dead. Ooh, that's rough. It is rough, but that's I mean, a rough one. I mean, it's not. True, but I mean untrue. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, so how can I truly voice unless it is like in a, a stance where there it's like um maybe like a rape victim or something like that. Well, I mean, it could be argued that many of the victims of serial killers assault. are victims of a sexual assault. Yeah. So But then they were dismembered. Um well I mean not so much with his case. He just liked really anyway, so today we're getting on with uh old Bumblebutt. Ed Kemper. Edward, Edmund, not Edward, Jesus. <laughs> Edmund, Edmund Emil <laughs> Kemper III. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, he's also known more commonly as the co-ed killer. Uh, he was born in Burbank, California on December 18th, 1948. And he was the middle child and only son born to Carnell Kemper and Edmund Emil Kemper Jr., um, his dad was a World War II veteran who, after the war, tested nuclear weapons at the Pacific Proving Grounds. 
before returning to California where he worked as an electrician. Um, he later stated that suicide missions in wartime and the atomic, atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with Carnell, and that she oh, gave geez. him more PTSD than 396 days and nights of fighting on the front. Wow. So That's rough. What a, what, what a nag, right? <laughs> what a mom. She got mom of the year. Oh, she definitely didn't get wife of the year. That's for fucking sure. Um, and uh, he was Ed, uh, our, our boy, Eddie the Third. He was born like as a huge, huge. He was a big baby. Yeah. Um, he weighed 13 pounds as a newborn. That's <laughs> so. a lot. Like the average is between what, like five and seven, I think. Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Like, less than 10. Yeah. <laughs> like, my, my dad was, was 10 pounds, and they considered him a big baby. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know too many people who were preemies, and they are, like, <laughs> sickly small. Still. <laughs> yeah. Or they're, like, they were small, but they're, like, super, super tall and lanky, and they have, oh, God, there's that disease where it's, like, hyperlegnancy. Where you just have like long gangly limbs. I have gangly wrists. You have tiny wrists. I do have tiny wrists. You have dainty wrists. I have a muscular forearm, big meaty hands, and tiny little wrists. As um, a Taurus should. As he, a Taurus uh, should. And by the age of, by the age of four, he was already a head taller than the other kids his age. Isn't that like brings in bullying? Well, that I mean, could, yeah. Or just Most, being super usually, shy. The, usually in my understanding, the, when it comes to boys, the tall ones are the bullies. Um, he wasn't. That's the thing. Well, I don't, he was a bully. He uh, exhibited antisocial behavior such as torture of insects and cruelty to animals. At age 10, he buried his mom's cat. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then that. dug it up later, cut its head off, and put its head on a spike. Because that was like some, like, um, where he saw his mother. He was like, this is how I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. So. Uh, like uh, Dan Cummins said in the episode on him on Time Suck. Yeah, that's why I remember Take up my body, that. mother. Take yeah. up my body and pet it. <laughs> I'm trying to eat my noodles over here. <laughs> um, well, that was silly. All right, so at age 13, he killed another cat. Um, and he kept pieces of it. It, it, it. The cat seemed to be like, was like his, it seemed to favor his younger sister. So he killed it and kept pieces of it in his closet until his mother found them. I wonder how that conversation went. Oh, I'm like, sure it went over well. What is this? Why is there a cat, a dead cat in your closet? Not even a dead cat. Pieces of the dead cat. So. Why, why do you have a cat's foot? Why do you have a cat's ear? Why do you have a cat's face? He had a uh, dark fantasy life, obviously. He performed, like, weird rites with his sister's dolls that culminated in, like, taking off their heads and hands. Okay, I was the kid that, like, I did, when I hit, like, being a teenager, I did, like, you know, pull my Barbie's heads off. Yeah. Uh, he was one, he, he, his sister uh, once was uh, teasing him about having something about, he had a crush on one of his teachers, so his sister yeah. was teasing her, teasing him. And that's why I didn't try to kiss her. And he said, if I kiss her, I have to kill her first. <laughs> so, so already, you know, he's got, he's got some fucked up shit going on. Uh, he would sneak out of his house with his father's bayonet and oh, go to a second yeah. grade teacher's house, the one with the, he had the crush on. Yeah. Watch her through the windows. Um, 
they used to play weird games like gas chamber and electric chair where his younger sister would like tie him up and flip an imaginary switch and he would pretend to be electrocuted or being executed by gas. I don't know how like, okay, so as a child, like in that age, I was LARPing with my neighbors. Like, I'm also the, the young sister. I have an older brother. So, no, we were outside being like, we are elves or we are humans in this magical world and playing in each other's, like, yards because we had different, like, swing sets. Yeah. Um, at, at one point, his mother ended up locking him in the basement at night because... That shit's terrifying. Because she believed that he was trying to uh, like, molest his sisters. Yeah. Um, yeah, she would, yeah. She Even early on, she realized that he was a little messed up. She, she, she refused to show him any affection out of fear that she would turn him gay and that he reminded her of his father and no woman would ever love him. And she would say these things like in front of him to other people. Um, That's really fucked up. Yeah, she was a piece of shit. In the overall picture, why did I run away? I wanted to be with my father. That's a very topical uh, approach to it. I wanted to get away from my mother because I was dreaming, thinking, fantasizing murder all day long. I couldn't get it out of my head. She and I, I couldn't battle with her because I was very intimidated by her. She's six feet tall. She weighs two and a quarter, 225 pounds. She's not a fat woman. She's just this great big woman who I was terrified of. She had uh, verbal capabilities you wouldn't believe. I used to watch her field strip grown men in emotional uh, little contests. And when they get to the point where they wanted to smack her, then she started attacking them on beating women. Oh, slap the woman around, you know. And then she'd toy with them on that. And I'd watch these guys dance around the room having fits, knocking out windows, punch a hole in the door, and stomp off. And she could control people like that. I'm sitting there watching that in awe from the one point of view and in terror from the other. I grew up with this stuff. She did that to my dad when they were always battling before the divorce. I'm not trying to put on her what happened to the girls or to her. But I'm saying there was a lot of psychological involvement there. Uh, she ran, he, he ran away when he was 14 to try and go live with his dad. and uh, Daddy didn't want him. Well, <laughs> yeah, his dad had remarried, and his wife was like, no, nah, get, get that creepy motherfucker out of here. So I go see my dad for 30 days. And my stepbrother and I, we go out and mow lawns. We say, gee, Dad, co you know, you're going out to dinner tonight. Can we go someplace and eat? And he says, sure. He'd give us a few dollars. We'd go down to some little diner down the street. He treated us like little men, like he wanted to be treated by his. He came from a matriarchal household, too. I guess if you know how that stuff runs in families, right? Matriarchal household, the son goes out and finds a mother image and marries her. I didn't know all this stuff back then. It would have made a lot more sense. Right. But I got this domineering grandmother on my father's side. I got this uh, domineering grandmother on my mother's side who died before I was born. But now she's reincarnated in my mother and her sister, my aunt. They're two very domineering, very aggressive, very successful women. So he got sent to uh, his grandparents. Oh, his grandparents, like they were actually they loved him. Um, and here we have. The first victim. He, he described his grandfather as a little bit senile, and his grandmother was constantly emasculating me and my grandfather. But according to neighbors nearby, it was nothing like that. Um, like one of the, they, she was just disappointing. Yeah, there was a there was a guy who lived a short distance away um, that used to come and spend time with uh, with Kemper, 
And after his uh, cat and pillowcase went missing, they decided to stop hanging out with him. Uh, yeah. I mean, as he should. Yeah, and then he gave, he ended up giving this guy's future wife a 50 cent piece that had the eye of the eagle precisely drilled out by Kemper. That I didn't know. Yeah. That's really messed up. <laughs> yeah, he's just going around drilling the eyes out of coins and giving them to people. <laughs> Um, or he's like, maybe you'll be my next victim. Maybe. So this Christmas, uh, pretty sure it was Christmas. Might have been his birthday. But either way, his granddaddy gets him this twenty-two little hunting rifle, which out in the country, that's not, that's not uncommon. You know, um, a lot of kids, especially in 1964 when this was, or 63, if it was Christmas. Um, he, at, he was 15, sitting at the kitchen table with his grandma, and they apparently had some sort of argument. Uh, he stormed off and grabbed the rifle. And uh, which had been confiscated shortly before because he was like shooting animals needlessly. Uh, Just being a nuisance. Yeah, so he went, he re, 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 reclaimed this rifle, went to the kitchen and fatally shot his grandmother in the head before firing twice more into his back. And just because he didn't want his His you know, grandmother's last words, bad. according to Kemper, were, you better not be shooting at birds again. He's like, nah, bitch. Yeah. I'm here to shoot you. So he just puts puts three in her. Uh, some accounts mention that he she suffered multiple post mortem stab wounds with a kitchen knife. That tracks. Um. So he just kind of hangs out for a while until his grandpa comes back from grocery shopping, and uh, before he even gets out of the car, good Kemper's outside and shoots him fatally in the driveway next to his car. He doesn't want him to be mad. <clears throat> yeah. And after this, he's kind of he don't he don't know what he, he's like. Well, now what? So he calls his mom. And tells her, tells her what happened. And, you know, she's like, well, call the fucking cops. So he does, and cops show up, and he tells them that he just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma, and that he killed his grandfather so she would not find out, he would not have to find out that his wife was dead, and he would be angry with him. Um, a psychiatrist who interviewed Kemper later during adulthood wrote, in his way, he had avenged the rejection of both his mother and his father. Uh, his crimes were deemed incomprehensible for a 15-year-old commit to commit, and court psychiatrist diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. He was then sent to at Atascadero State Hospital in uh, San Luis Obispo County that houses mentally ill convicts. Right. So he gets to the psychiatric hospital, and he's got like a really high IQ. His initial testings was. Uh, um, he had a, once it, it was tested at 136, and his IQ was later tested again at 145. That's that's ridiculously yeah. intelligent. What is the um, the end or like how is what is considered average and what is obviously this is considered above average? Um, well, let's find out. I have a Google machine too. I could have looked that yeah, up. Yeah, you could have instead of making me do things, but that's okay. I'm sorry, I was eating my noodles. <laughs> Rather be on the fucking front. What? What? Nothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Average IQ. Uh, Average, like the normal is straight 100. Okay. Um. Yeah, low average is like 80 to 85. 80 to 100 is average. Okay. Anything huh. above 130 is considered uh, superior. 
Well, now this makes sense. Of course, you had a superiority complex. I didn't, it doesn't I mean, have to be. It, you don't have to think you're superior when you have an IQ that high. No, and but you're there fucking was a thousand feet tall. Um, he literally was. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like hello. So the psychiatrist at at, at Atascadero uh, disagree with the court. Um, they said that Kemper showed no flight of ideas, no interference with thought, no delusions or hallucinations, and no evidence of bizarre thinking. They also observed him to be intelligent and uh, like very introspective. Um, he was re-diagnosed with a less severe condition, personality trait disturbance, passive-aggressive type. Uh, he endeared He's himself. A petty yeah. bitch he he, he kind of became the psychiatrist's pet. Uh, he was trained Witch to administer tracks. psychiatric tests to other inmates, um, and this gave him this gave him access to like their records and whatnot. So he learned how to manipulate his tests when they would test him by he, looking at the other tests. Yeah, so he could basically give these uh, psychiatrists the answers that they wanted to hear and not, you know, this is how I truly am. This is how I truly feel. This is what you want to yeah. hear, and it'll help me in the long run. Yeah, he also, while in, while in Atascadero, he became a member of the JCs. Uh, which is the United States Junior Chamber, right? It's a uh, leadership training and civic organization but for people between the ages of 18 and 40. Um, and I bring this up because a, another future subject, John Wayne Gacy, was like a chairman of the JCs. Oh, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, nice little connection between the two there. Um, he... Uh, he, he also claimed to develop new tests and new scales on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. That's a lot. Specifically an overt hostility scale. So he, like, invented whole new, like, psychiatric tests. And at this time, you got to think, he's, like, 17, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we should probably be worried about this. Like, he's a little too smart. And he's going around killing people because he wants to. And while, when he was administering tests there to sex offenders, they all, like, so many of them told him that it was to avoid leaving witnesses, it was best to kill a woman after raping her. So, well, yeah. There's how um, he's developing his. On his 21st role. birthday, December 18th, 1969, uh, he is released on parole from Atascadero uh, against the recommendations of the psychiat psychiatrist at the hospital. See, they fucking knew. They fucking yeah, they, knew. They, they knew something like, was up. Um, he was released to the care of his mother, who had remarried um, and then divorced again. She ain't got no luck. <laughs> nah, she's, well, nobody wants to deal with the fucking bitch. Mm, um, but you deal with me, so. Uh, you're all right, though. I make you bread pudding. You do make me bread pudding. Oh, you brought me ramen. See, I've been sitting here eating my noodles. Well, and you told me they weren't ready yet. No, they weren't, but you were talking, so I started eating my noodles, and they're freaking delicious. Any hoodles. What were we talking about? All right. I just want to eat my noodle. <laughs> um, he gets a job. Well, excuse me. She was, his mom was working as administrative assistant at the University of California. Oh, yeah. And he gave her, or she gave him the, um, the parking pass. Yeah. Because she, he was dropping her, um, to and from work. Yeah. Her up and, in your home. Yeah. Um, on uh, 19, 1972, November, his juvenile records were permanently expunged. Uh, yeah. The last report from his probation psychiatrist says, 
quote, if I were to see this patient without having any history or getting any history from him, I would think that we're dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who had initiative, intelligence, and was free of psychiatric illness. It is my opinion that he has made an excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be of any danger to himself or any member of society. And no. since it may allow him more freedom as an adult to develop his potential, I would consider it reasonable to have a permanent expunction of his juvenile records. Well, I guess this is what mistake number two. <laughs> that people didn't listen to the people who were like, nah, man, we shouldn't. And well, then this is step two. At this time, there's been no Ted hey, Bundy, Bobby. right? Yeah. So there's no like uh, understanding of the of, of the phenomenon of psychopathy. Okay. And one of the okay. one of the traits that, that psychopaths carry is that they're very good at uh, compartmentalizing, and they can wear oh. a kind of they, they can wear a mask and make people think what they want those people to think. So they can pretend to be normal for quite a while. Especially when it's, you know, <laughs> no, what? No, go ahead. Especially when it's, um, like, beneficial to them, you know? Oh, gosh, excuse me. Yeah, and I'm just sitting here staring at both of us. I'm like, huh, we're a little bit psychopathic. I mean, I think everybody has a, has a few uh, psychopathic traits. One day we'll go through the, uh, the test for it. We should, yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious to see where I fall, like, on that scale. Because I know deep down in my soul there are some psychopathic tendencies. Like, I am a chef. <laughs> I don't... Huh, hmm. I'll talk some mad shit when people aren't, <laughs> like, around. Well, see, the thing with a psychopath is they'll, they don't care if people are around. Um, they, well, they, they, have no, always... they have no... They don't have that social connect. They don't have that social... Affect. They can pretend to sometimes, but they don't really understand certain things. Oh yeah, no. But, but um, he was also attending community college um, and hoped to become a police officer. But he was too big. He was uh, six foot nine inches, which led him. His nickname at this time was Big Ed. See, which, I'd have to like crank my neck. Which makes I'm... me wonder about that place we like to eat breakfast at. Big oh. Ed. <laughs> But it started here in um, North Carolina, did it not? Yeah, I think so. So it might just be literally a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, and this is all, this is all be, California. Yeah, um, be really, but maybe they maybe they came here from California. They actually ended up becoming friends with uh, Santa Cruz police officers, and became a self-described friendly nuisance at a local police bar called the Jury Room. Um, that's where he picked up. How the nickname. did one be a friendly nuisance? They'd buy me a beer, I'd buy them a beer. Uh, casual relationships. But that was, I was poking around a little bit trying to find some things out. I knew they wouldn't be privy to hot information, but there were some things that were bothering me. Like, were there any speculations on how they were dying? Did the cops like you? Like I said, a friendly nuisance. I got in the way. And it was deliberate. Again, friendly nuisances are dismissed. Um. So, like, Loki? No, he's 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 just a nuisance. No, he's not. <laughs> he makes the best biscuits. Uh, she's referring to a cat. So yeah. I mean, we're not on video, so it, it falls flat. We're just we just suck. We're hacks and frauds. Yeah. Um, so he had a bunch of little menial jobs for a little while, and then eventually got a, a job with the uh, 
Department of Transportation. Um, during this whole time, his mom's remaining toxic and hostile. Uh, they always get in arguments. Their neighbors would overhear. Uh, Ed like, would later say, this. my she mother and I, she started a lot of it. But, I mean, she could have, like, after him coming back, like, she could have been like, you know what? Let's start off on a better foot. Well, she killed his fucking, she killed her, he killed her fucking uh, parents. Or, no, she killed her uh, old in-law. So maybe she was, maybe she should have been, like, happy, you know? Yeah, because that was his paternal. And uh, I don't hear anything else about his father. After he killed his paternal grandparents. His father just pieces out. <coughs> yeah. Like, they um, could have been there for each other. That's, that's something that gets me, like, this really could have, she could have. But, I mean, we know what happened to her. Um, he finally got enough money saved up. He went to go live with a friend in Alameda. Uh, his mom would regularly phone him and like show up for these surprise visits. Okay. And like uh, college. Yeah, he had financial difficulties, which would result in his frequently returning to his mother's apartment. Um, he actually became engaged in uh, 1973, mm-hmm. but uh, he ended up, you know, that that all went away pretty soon. Um. He was hit by a car while riding a motorcycle the same year that he began working for the uh, Department of Transportation. How does one miss a six foot nine? I, met, I just just imagine what he looked like on the motorcycle. Like he still got like hunched over, but he's still a big dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we we saw a dude uh, riding a motorcycle today. He was a big dude, but he was on like a. Um, I don't know. He filed a civil suit against the car's driver and won $15,000, equivalent to $91,000 in 2021 money. Oh, um, wow. So he spent part of that on a 1969 Ford Galaxy. And uh, he started to notice that during this time, there's a lot of young women hitchhiking up and down the roads. So he starts storing plastic, bi- plastic bags, knives, blankets, handcuffs in his car. So this is definitely premeditated. And then he starts practicing. He goes around picking up young women and then peacefully letting them go. I'd been locked up for five and a half years. I had never had a license. Well, I'd just gotten a license when I got locked up the first time, a Montana license. And um, uh, so I was free. The driving around was a, a way to exhibit that freedom, to demonstrate it, to get the cobwebs out of me. When I first got out, I loved to drive. I always did love as a kid to drive. I started driving when I was 10 or 12 years old, but I got a license when I was 15 up in Montana, and then I got locked up and then uh, here in California, and I got out, got a license, and I just started driving. And that was my main hobby, I'd say. And I saw a lot of people out hitchhiking, and I didn't select girls to pick up. I picked up anybody who wanted a ride. And over that whole three-year period, it was the same way. If someone needed a ride, I picked them up, unless specifically I was looking for someone to do in. Uh, according to Kemper later, he picked up around 150 such hitchhikers before he, you know, really started to feel his homicidal sexual urges, which he called, he called his little zapples, <laughs> <laughs> and began acting on them. And the thing is, Ed Kemper has this weird thing with profanity, like he won't swear. So when you're watching, like, videos of him, he has all, like, he's talking about hacking people up and fucking their windpipes and shit, but he's saying it in all these, like, Weird, like, Mormon curse words. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never really thought of that. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, yeah, so between 
May 1972 and April 73, uh, he killed eight people, all women. Yeah. Um, he would pick up female students who were hitchhiking and take them to isolated areas where he would shoot, stab, smother, or strangle them. Uh, he would then take their bodies back to his home where he would decapitate them and uh, rape, their severed he- rape their severed heads, have sexual intercourse with their corpses, and dismembering them. So I, I was wrong. He did dismember his people. I, I was unaware of that part before. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, he did. Killed. Yeah, his mom shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he killed five college students, one high school student, his mother and his mother's best friend. Right. So, um, the I know the first the first one no the first two I think they were together. No, the first one it was yeah. Um, yeah, Marianne Pesky and Anita Lucheska. Yeah, and yeah, that he, was the one where. Yeah, he uh, picked up these two girls in Berkeley. Um, they were coming from Fresno State, uh, and he gave them he offered them a ride to Stanford, which I guess they were headed to Stanford. Um, after, uh, for, for, for college stuff. No, yeah, I, I don't understand college things. Um, after driving for an hour, he managed to reach a secluded wooded area near Alameda, which he was familiar with from his work in the highway department. Without really alerting his passengers, they changed direction. So he just took some back road turns, and they yeah. didn't realize that they were lost. Um, they didn't realize how far off the map they were. Yeah, it was there. that's where he handcuffed Pesca and locked Luchessa in the trunk. And then he stabbed and strangled Pesha to death uh, and then killed Luchessa in a similar manner afterwards. Yeah. Um, he confessed later that while handcuffing Pesha, he brushed the back of his hand against one of her breasts and he felt embarrassed, adding that he said, whoops, I'm sorry, despite, you know, murdering her minutes later. But so it's like those, those learned things that it's almost like he still had to keep them up. You know what I'm saying? He's a a likable nuisance, right? Yeah, so, like, even if, you know, this wasn't what it actually was, if he were to brush her, he would say, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. That was his... While he's in the process of getting ready to kill her. Yeah, but taking that out, he would be the... That's the the vibe he's impersonating. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, like, brush you. Like, if you're, like, in a club or something, I mean, it is what it is, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, on September 14th, 1972. Uh, this was the um, the dancer, right? Yeah, 15-year-old yeah. dance named... She hitchhiked to um, her dance class. I don't even know. Aikoku? Aikoku. 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 I'm not sure. Um, yeah, she was hitchhiked to her dance class because she missed her bus. He, does, he pretty much does the same thing, pulls a gun on her. Uh, and then accidentally locks himself out of her car, out of his car. And see, she could have, she yeah, could have gotten away. She could have. But she led him back inside. Because what, girl? What you think was gonna happen? I'm just saying. I mean, like, honey. Well, I mean, yeah. Also, I remember at this time, serial killers aren't a thing. They're not a known entity like they are now. You know what I mean? Nowadays, people be like, oh, okay. But we're just coming out of. We're just. We're we're just like 15 years from Leave It to Beaver. Really? You know? Yeah, it ain't that far off. You gotta remember, I was born in '92. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I watched Leave It to Beaver growing well, up. I, I had TV Land, so I watched Leave It to Beaver. I think that was like, um, um, what, like Nick at Night. Yeah. Well, here's another one that you know, the Andy Griffith Show. 
yeah, I was like on the very tail end of when they're like when people are like, oh yeah, you should watch this, but it was like the end of like what was running on TV. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Um. He he went to, after he throws her body in the trunk. Then he goes by to the he goes to the jury room to have a few drinks. And after he left the bar, he uh, opens the trunk of his car, like admiring his catch, like a fisherman. Uh, back at his apartment, he rapes a corpse, dismembers and disposes of them in a similar way as the last two. Um, now, yeah. her mother, you know, called the police for disappearance and put up hundreds of flyers, but you know she didn't receive any responses. Of course, nobody know what happened to her. Um, on January seventh, seventy three, uh, he moved back. He had moved back in with his mother, picked up eighteen year old student Cynthia Shaw. Drove her to a wooded area and shot her with a twenty-two. Um, went to his mother's house, kept her body hidden in a closet overnight. When his mother left work in the morning, he raped the body and removed the bullet from her corpse, then dismembered and capitated her in his mother's tub bathtub. Uh, he kept her head for several days, regularly uh, having sex with it. Then he buried it in his mother's garden, facing upward towards her bedroom. But those roses... <laughs> That's After his beautiful. arrest, he stated that he did this because his mother always wanted people to look up to her. Um, I mean... Yeah. Uh, uh, over the course of the following weeks, all except for her head and right hand were discovered and pieced together like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, yeah. A pathologist determined that she'd been cut into pieces with a power saw. And, uh, yeah. On February, so this few weeks later. Yeah, this is the um, the mother. No, he ain't got there yet. That's not no, th- but this is the mother. Oh. Oh wait, did I? Uh huh. I did. Look at you, Allison. So I was getting my water, so I didn't catch the name. That was what Cindy that you just did. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why I'm caught up. Uh huh. Um, I had scrolled too far in my notes. So this one is Rosalind. And these two, they were on their way to um, University of California. And... <laughs> he gets in an argument with his mom. You know, she gets his apples all worked up. And so he leaves the house to go look for people. Um, there's been starting to be a suspicion of serial killers in the Santa Cruz area. So students have been advised to accept rides only from cars with university stickers on them. And his Kipper mom had one. His mom gave her him one. Yeah. Um, he encountered 23-year-old Rosalind uh, Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Allison, Alice Helen Liu on uh, the USSC campus. Uh, Thorpe enters his car first. Which kind of reassured Allison to, to enter. He then shot Thorpe and Lou with his pistol and wrapped their wrapped yeah. their bodies Just up. Just headshots, bam. Yeah, he went back to his mother's house with the bodies. He beheaded them in his car and carried the headless corpses into his mother's house to have sex with them. Uh, he then dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets to prevent identification, and discarded the remains the next morning. Some were found at Eden Canyon a week later, and more were found near Route 1 in March. Um, when questioned in an interview while he decapitated them, he explained the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, where the head is, everything is at. The brain, the eyes, the mouth. 
That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not well, that quite means... true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. So, like, but if, with his weird, you know, neck-fucking shit, he's more, I guess, more or less, actually, with that, he's like, oh, I'm having, like, sex with this person. Then when he's, like, you know, having sex with the body, it's like, oh, well, you're I nothing. I don't know. able to bring himself to have sex with a person. That's why he had, he had to, to decapitate. Yeah, but like yeah. in but in his brain, if I want to have sex with a person, it's with their head. Does that do you follow? Well, he was also having sex with their bodies. Yeah, but then but you look at like like how entities. you exactly like how you look at like people versus like I am a separate entity, and then you have like people that are. Air so, I mean, really, meat. your body is just like a meat vehicle that your head drives. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Um, but it's in the um, in the predatory nature that he has. Yeah. If he wanted to have sex with a person, it would be with the head. If he just wanted to, you know, because he would have sex with the bodies, but he's like, oh, that's it's not a person. It doesn't mean anything. On uh, on four twenty nineteen seventy three, after coming home from a party, fifty two year old Carnell, uh, you know, Ed's mom. That's a name. Carnell. Uh, arrives, yeah, wake, wakes her son when she comes in. She goes to her bed, she's reading a book, and Ed comes in the room, and she says to him, well, I guess you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. He, he looks at her for a second, says, no, good night, and waits for her to fall asleep, right? Um, after she goes to sleep, he comes back in the room and bludgeons her with a claw hammer and cuts her, note with a, cuts her throat with a pen knife. He then uh, decapitates her and rapes her head, and then uses it for a while as a dartboard. Yeah, and then he. So I just. Yeah. And then he calls the police. Yeah, well, I mean, he put her. He states that he had put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour, threw darts at it, and ultimately smashed her face in. He also cut out her tongue and larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. And they didn't want to um, no. actually grind up. They came up back at him. He said later, that seemed appropriate, as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. So he, had, he hides his mother's corpse in a closet and goes to a drink at a bar. Right? Yeah. Uh, on, when he comes back, he invites his mother's best friend, a 59-year-old Sarah, uh, Hall, Sarah Hallett, over to the house to have dinner and watch a movie. I thought it was Sally. Well, Sa Sally was like a nickname. Oh, okay. Her, her real name, her, 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 you know, her birth name was Sarah. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, she invites her over to the house to have dinner, watch a movie, and when he gets there, which I don't know why the neighbor would be like, "Okay, big boy," you know, I, there was something going on. I, I, don't, I don't understand what was happening here. Maybe it was just something that they did. Yeah, but and, yeah they might have been movie buddies. Uh, when, when she arrived, he strangled her to death to create a cover story that her and his mother had gone away together on vacation. Um, he put her corpse in a closet, obscured any outward signs of a disturbance, and left a note to the police that said, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it, not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. And then he proceeded to steal her car. Mm -hmm. And drive to Colorado. Yeah, he does. Fucking taking no-dos. 
<laughs> like via, you know, phone booth about murdering him, like his mother. Well, after after not hearing, you know, after some time went by and he didn't hear nothing on the radio about his mother's he murder. It needed to be known. It needed to be known. Yeah, uh, he called police, confessed the murders of of them, but they didn't take his call seriously. They're like, ah, oh, come on, bubble butt. We Give us know, a break. it's fine. And uh, he called back again a few hours later, asked to speak to an officer he specifically knew, and he confessed to his mother death and the uh, six students as well. Um, he waited That's for, just craving attention. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of waited there for the police to get there. Um, later, he was asked why he turned himself in. He said the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. I couldn't handle it much longer there. Towards the end, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and I just called it off. So basically, once he killed his mother, that was it. Like all the other that killings, was the that was the climax. Yeah, all the like, other okay, killings seemed now. to have just been like a way, warm-ups. yeah, a way of he killing his mom. Her. And once he actually did it, then well, he was satisfied. Yeah, it's like, and then um, he was found guilty of first degree murder on um, the eighth of November, nineteen seventy three, and was um, sent to a maximum security prison for life. Well, they gave him the death penalty. Uh, well, he asked for the death penalty, wanted death by torture. Like, please. <laughs> um, but the uh, Supreme Court of California had, like, community of the dissidents for everybody. It's, how, it's why Manson didn't get the death penalty. Like, he was, they gave him the death penalty, but, like, the next day they overturned the death penalty in California. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he received seven years to life for each count, with them to be served concurrently. And was sentenced to the medical facility in Bakerville. Yeah, he's currently how was serving eight consecutive life sentences. Yeah. As far as we still know. Um, well, we ain't got there yet. Um, so he was incarcerated in the same prison block as Charles Manson and uh, Herbert Mullen. Um, Kemper did not like Mullen, who committed his murders around the same time and area. Uh, he described Mullen as just a cold-blooded killer, killing everyone he saw for no good reason. Okay, and he was doing what? Well, he, he saw what he did as a little bit different, although they're all the same. But he, he saw him as indiscriminate. Okay, uh, whereas he had a, a specific yeah. goal in mind, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kemper manipulated and physically intimidated Mullen. Well, I mean, how, how like, he is six foot nine. Of course he's intimidating. He is tall. And everyone else is small. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's like yeah. that's a big person. He he actually trained him. I'm like him. five six. <laughs> um, Mullen had a habit of bothering people when they were trying to watch TV, so he'd throw water on them to shut them up. Then when he's a good boy, he'd give him peanuts. And Mullen liked peanuts. It was effective because pretty soon he was asking permission to sing. That's called behavior modification treatment. So. Pavlov's dogs. Yeah, Pavlovians, yep. That's exactly what that is. He remains among the general population of prison, considered a model prisoner. Um, he was, uh, he started making Af- uh, uh, crap, like cups, ceramic cups in prison. He was also a prolific reader of audiobooks for the blind. Um, he spent over 5,000 hours narrating books with several hundred completed recordings to his name. I've actually heard one. 
Really? Yeah, I didn't know it was him until afterwards, but yeah. I've You're heard, like, nah. Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> when did you hear it? Like, uh, five years ago, maybe. Okay. When I, I was just listening to audiobooks a lot. Um, I can't remember what it was now, but yeah. <laughs> it's probably in your library. It might be. It might be. Um, yeah, he uh, retired in 2015 after he had a stroke. It was declared medically disabled. And uh, for the first time in his entire prison sentence, he referred, got his first infraction uh, report for failing to provide a urine sample. Oh, boy. He has participated in countless interviews, and uh, his interviews also contribute to the understanding of the mind of serial killers. Um, I mean, he loved to be from, uh If you ever watch the Netflix show Mindhunter, yeah. He, he's, yeah, they, they do a lot of talking to Kemper. And it's, that's like a true story. FBI profiler John Douglas described Kemper as the brightest inmate he had ever interviewed and capable of rare insight for a violent criminal. He also added that he personally liked Kemper, referring to him as friendly, open, sensitive, and having a good sense of humor. Which all of this is true. You know, like he's. <laughs> so it's, it begs the question how much is it learned and how much is like it actually part of his. True personality. Does that make sense? I think there's two Ed Kempers. You know. Okay. I think there's the one that wanted to kill his mother that that kind of took on all the uh, all the damage his mother gave him. Yeah. And that was the one that did all the murders. And then there's the other Ed Kemper, the kind, kind of compassionate. The, the guy. bumble butt that bumble everyone butt. everyone the genuinely was like. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, one, during one of his parole hearings. Uh, he said in 1988, he said, society is not ready for me. I can't fault them from that. Uh, I mean, at least he understood what he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 2007, he was denied parole. Prosecutor Adrian Simmons says, we don't care how much of a pr model prisoner he is because of the enormity of his crimes. Yeah. Uh, he is next eligible in 2024 for prison. <laughs> so in two years. Two years. Yeah, yeah. He may or may not be out. I doubt it. Like, like that prosecutor said, he'll never be released. If, if, if the other Ed Kemper ever rears his head again. But, I mean, also by now you got to think, he's, he's, getting, he's getting up there, you know. He, yeah. What, what purpose would it serve? Yeah, you know, he's, he'd, be, he'd, be older than, he'd be a little older than David. Yeah. No, um, so, yeah. That's, uh, that's Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer. Um, this is also our first episode, so, you know, Jessica, Jessica's coming new to this, so she hasn't quite got used to it yet. No, because I guess I had a visualization of a different, how it was going to flow a little differently, and then you had a different vision, so we kind of just got to, like, work out the kinks and stay yeah, lucky. Yeah, yeah, we'll come to. I mean, it ain't, we, ain't, we ain't quite got it down like we did, like me and Mike do at Stoner's Point, but that's because me and Jessica have a different relationship than me and Mike. Yeah. So we got, we, we'll figure that out. And um, as, as a true Aquarius, <laughs> I'd like to listen. Um, let's see what we're going to do our next episode. Um, we're going to do a cult. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple cults that we could do. One that I'm, I'm not going to force Richard to do, but I'm going to do my own little research so I can present it to him, is for um, the whole cult following of K-pop's kind of stuff. 
because there there is like some stuff in there that's a little culty. Just kill me now. I'm sorry. I know you don't. Defined a cult. But. There's. We've gone over this. You cannot call Black Pepper a cult because a lot of people love Black Black Pepper. No, I'm I'm (laughs) saying the industry of K-pop. Black Pink, by the way. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about anymore. Ugh. All right, so our next one is not going to be K-pop. We'll no, f- it's not. For fuck's sake. Um, it's not. Um, so our next one is probably, I don't know. Well, I have to look at my list. You want to look at your list? I'm going to look at my list. Yeah, she has a handy-dandy little checklist that she keeps telling me to check, and I never look at it, except for like when she tells yeah. me. And you're like, what are you talking about this list? I'm like, there's a list that I shared with you. I'm like, but the list is in my head of, of cults and serial killers. Where I have they a list there. of like... All these people live in my head all the time. It's because I know if I don't have a list in front of me, I'll get lost. I won't remember what we've done. So, let's see. Oh, we... Oh, no, no. We talked about doing the, um, the suicide cults. Remember? Which one? Well, there's the suicide cult in Japan. The uh, Aiko Gahara or whatever? Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about the suicide forest and the cults around it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Because I would say the suicide forest in of itself is a cult. Yeah. And it, and it, and that it's, can... it's kind of, it, it has a draw. Yeah, it is like in of itself, its existence is charismatic and has that its own draw. It's it's a unique thing to talk about. I'm super stoked to talk about Eco. 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 Yeah, the Suicide Forest. Uh, that I'm about to look this up so I can pronounce I to, it. I used to know. I used to know the exact wording of it, but it it's named the Suicide Forest is so deep. Yeah, and like just it, I think it, it's like every. Did you, did you watch the movie with me? About like the these, this woman goes into the forest to look for her sister. I think I did. I have, like to, all I have these to ghosts look. and demons and shit in the forest. It's pretty cool. I'd have to like look at the um the cover. But Aikogohara. Aikogohara. Aikogohara will yeah. be our next episode. Yeah, and. uh yeah. Until until next time, guys. Uh, don't don't uh, don't be don't be hitchhiking and don't be listening to any. Uh, don't, don't, don't trust anybody that calls themselves Bumblebutt. No, because the last thing we need you guys to do is you know start a cult or you know become a mass murderer. We 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 know that. Well, mass murders are different. They're well, mass murder, but you're just a serial. Don't killer. Fall, don't fall. serial killers are not mass murderers. I know. See, this is why we're doing this show. I have to teach. I have to teach my lovely wife all about what killers are there. She's giving me. She's giving me such an angry face right now, but she knows I'm right. You get no bread pudding. I bet I do. I bet I get all kinds of pudding. Oh my god! Get away from me! <laughs> get away from me! Bella will surely be.